All right. Well, I want to talk to you today about the idea that God is good. God is good. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. He has been good to us, hasn't he? He has been good to us. And, uh, boy, it doesn't take long to start listing all the reasons that we say God is good, right? Um, We go home, and we've got a nice roof over our head, and and we say God is good. Uh, Some of us get into a car that runs today, and we'll go home, and we'll say, God is good. I got a good car. And uh, some of us will look at our mates, and we'll say, God is good. You know, I've got a beautiful mate. Some of us look at our mate, and we'll say, God is really good. Amen, Hal? (laughs) He, He treated Hal real good. Better than how deserved, amen. But, uh, but we look at all these blessings in life and, and we say, God is good. God is good. Uh, there's a song I like that says, God is good all the time. And it's, a, it's kind of an upbeat kind of southern gospel song. But uh, this last week, as I was doing some studies and going through my devotions, I ran across a passage of scripture. I'm going to open with that because it kind of gives you a different thought on this idea that God is good. Uh, here in... Hebrews 12, begin in verse 5, it says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are an illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. And when we look at that passage of Scripture, God is speaking a lot about discipline. And the understanding is given to us that God disciplines those who He loves. And He really draws this this relationship between our earthly fathers who disciplined us because they loved us, and He says they did their very best to raise us up. And then He says your heavenly Father is even greater than our earthly fathers. He disciplines us and he has a purpose in mind for it, and he is perfect in all that he does. He points out some things that are very accurate. He says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. How many of you that grew up the old-fashioned way could say an amen to that? If you grew up with switches and belts and spankings and paddles, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, none of it's pleasant. But later on, he says, these things do something great in our lives. But what I really wanted to point out this morning, when we talk about the idea that God is good, he says in that last section, he says, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. And as I read that this week, it just dawned on me that we're so good at praising God for the good things in life, but sometimes we forget that even in his discipline, God is good. Even when we have done wrong, even when we have strayed from God and He has convicted us, He's come after us, maybe He's allowed some things to step into our lives to steer us back on track, even in those times, God is good. And we sometimes forget that, don't we? And it just kind of sprung off and made me understand or made me think about all the areas that maybe we don't praise God like we ought to. That we've become good at praising Him when everything's great in our lives, But what about when things aren't so great? Because if he is God and he is good, 
then he is good all the time. I want to give you some passages of Scripture and then give you some reasons that we can praise God, even in the midst of bad times. First one I want to share with you is Psalms 34, verses 1 through 3. And this is the challenge that that we have. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, how many would say just on that opening phrase that that verse presents a challenge to us? To bless the Lord at all times. We're here this morning and and we're sheltered from the elements and we're in this nice building. We're sitting on comfortable seats and most of us are going to go home and have a nice dinner. And and this is a good day to praise the Lord, isn't it? But what about tomorrow, maybe when things aren't so great? What about the next week when maybe something bad happens at work and our job is in jeopardy? Or what about when sickness comes into our home? Or what about when financial calamity happens? Or, or what about when things just don't go our way? Are we still then supposed to bless the Lord at all times and praise his name continually? Absolutely. And that's something that we should focus on. Uh, this week, uh, Alyssa called, and she's having all kinds of troubles. She's having sickness troubles, and now she's having car troubles, which translate into dad having money troubles. And, and, and yet, through all of this, you know, one of the things that we just keep reminding her over the phone is, hey, God is good. You need to up your faith. You need to trust him. And Kathy, I heard her talking to her on the phone, and she goes, you need to remember, Alyssa, God is bigger than your problems. Bless the Lord at all times. Don't anyone tell her I talked about her today, by the way. (laughs) I'll deny it. He says, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. In Psalms 42, he speaks of us praising God. And he does it from the perspective of someone who is down and discouraged. We might use the word depressed or in 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 a time of depression. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. See, even in the times when I am down, and even in the times when I'm discouraged, he says, I'm still going to put my hope in God, and I'm still going to praise him. In fact, That hope and that praise is perhaps what makes us grow. It's perhaps what leads us out of those difficult times. In Psalm 71, he gives us another passage. He says, Oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, Oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation. Your power to all those who come. Your righteousness, oh God, reaches the heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? And then listen to what he says. You have made me see many troubles and calamities. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me. In that psalm, he starts out with all these things that we praise God for his greatness. And he talks about how high he is above the heavens. And then he comes to this point and he says, you're the one who has maybe brought troubles and calamities in my life. But you're also the one that is going to revive me and bring me out of those things. And that's something to remember as we praise God is that even when troubles come. Even when calamities come, even when we have been lowered to the depths of earth, he says he will revive us again. God is good all the time. 
not just when things go our way, he's good all the time. In Ecclesiastes 7 and 14, listen to what Solomon said in his wisdom. He said, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. Now that's not hard to do, is it? You go home today and find a $100 bill stapled to your front door, I imagine some of us might get that holy roller feeling, amen? We'd be praising God. Tax time's coming, you get a nice big tax return. Some of us, we may get the Holy Spirit that day, right? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, he says, consider. So there's two sides to this. He says, be joyful when prosperity comes. But when adversity comes, think about things. Consider things. He says, God has made the one as well as the other so that man may find out anything that will be after him. So he says he's made both. He's made times of prosperity, but he's also made these times of adversity in our lives. And those times are when we reflect. They're times when we look deep into our soul and see what's going on there. The message puts it this way. On a good day, enjoy yourself. On a bad day, examine your conscience. God arranges for both kinds of days so that we won't take anything for granted. And I like that, because sometimes it's those times of adversity in our life that really cause us to appreciate what God has truly given us. It's those times of leanness that make us really understand how blessed we really are. It's those times of health, when everything is going well, and then all of a sudden times of sickness come, and it's then that we think how blessed we really are. God has made both. When I think of this idea of praising God, even when things aren't good, I always think of Job. Job was one who praised God through it all. The Bible says through everything he experienced, and he experienced so many losses. The loss of his possessions, the loss of his family, the loss of his wealth. His wife eventually turns on him. Everything seems to be going wrong for him. His friends come along, and they blame him for everything bad that has happened to him. But Job, the Bible says, sin not in all of this. Job 2, verses 9 and 10, after finally being attacked physically, sitting there and scraping the wounds on his arms and legs, his wife says to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Well, you know you're in trouble when your wife tells you, just give up. Amen? I mean, there are times when, as a weak man, I'm ready to give up, but my wife is usually there saying, get up, you can do it, you can make it, and and she encourages me and pushes me on when I feel like staying home and staying in bed and pulling the covers over my head. She says, get up and go. But when your wife gets to the point where she says, you might as well just give up and die, you're in trouble. But Job said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Many times we pray for the patience of Job. I read that and I pray for the courage of Job. He says, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. And he says this, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. You see, Job knew that, you know, good things come from God, but so do bad things at times. And are we going to be the type of people that, amen, we worship God as long as we get our way But when things don't go the way we want them to, we curse God. 
Job says, God is God no matter what's going on in my life. God is worthy to be praised no matter what happens. In Job 13 and 15, he says, Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. And I love that because he says, no matter what, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to serve God. But then he adds this phrase, he says, but I will argue my ways to his face. We're not called upon just to accept it. We can pray and we can call out to God in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our trials, but we must submit to his sovereignty and his control that we serve him regardless. Daniel was another one who faced adversity. Remember the young man Daniel in the Old Testament? A teenager by most accounts. As the enemy comes in and takes his land, Daniel is hauled off as a prisoner of war, if you will. He's there in a foreign country, away from his family, away from his home, away from the places that he'd worshipped. The intention was to train them up in the ways of the other people. The intention was to basically brainwash him and use him for all that he had. Daniel faced adversity, didn't he? In fact, when you read, you find that he requested finally from the prince of the eunuchs, and we understand that Daniel more than likely was a eunuch, that he had actually gone to the place of not only being hauled from his foreign land or from his homeland to a foreign country, but he had been castrated and made a servant in this place. I'd say Daniel was having a tough time. But in the end, Daniel 1 and 8 says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. In other words, Daniel stood firm with God. Daniel said, I'm not just going to give in and go the way of the world. I'm going to do what's right, even though things weren't good. So how do we praise God and how do we worship him when things aren't good? I thought about this, and I thought, you know, we could preach a sermon on how to handle good times, but that really didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. We all just kind of handle it, don't we? When things are good, they're good. But when we struggle, that's where we struggle. Let me give you some reasons that we can praise God, even in the midst of tough times. First is, we can praise Him for His grace that sustains us. That even though we face trials, even though we face difficulties, even though we face hardships, even though we have bad news at times, we can still praise God because His grace sustains us. It keeps us. He may not spare us from going through these dark times, but He will always be there with us, and He will always give us the grace to go on. The Apostle Paul spoke in Romans, and he said, So to keep me from becoming conceited, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Those are the times when, amen, we might struggle to say God is good. When we're facing weaknesses, can we say God is good? When we're facing insults and others are attacking us, can we still say God is good? When we're facing those hardships or persecutions or disasters, can we still say God is good? 
I believe we can if we trust in his grace to see us through these things. He does not leave us to face things alone. The second reason we can praise God and say that he is good is we can praise him for the promise of glory. The promise of glory. In Romans, the eighth chapter, beginning in verse 18 and ending down in about verse 30, Paul opens up a passage and he speaks about the glory which shall be revealed in us. In verse 18. And then he closes the section out talking about that glory once again. And in between these verses, he talks about all the things that God is doing in our lives in the midst of struggles. In 18, he said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In other words, that yes, we face difficult times, but God is good in those times because what he is doing is he is shaping and molding us and he is redeeming us. And one day, he said he is going to reveal to us his ultimate glory. Another passage in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, listen to what he says. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And I love the way he words that. He says, our light momentary afflictions. And those are things to keep in mind that it's generally not as bad as we think they are, and they are temporary. But God is doing something far greater and eternal in our lives. These struggles that we're facing, these difficulties, those times when it's hard to shout amen or praise the Lord, even in those times, God is good because he is doing something in our lives. His glory will be revealed. The New Living says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. If you've ever heard of Johnny Erickson Tata... She was actually nominated, I think, just recently for an Academy Award for a music score. And then they pulled her nomination away from her for some reason. But in her book, When God Weeps, Johnny Erickson writes, Before my paralysis, my hands reached for a lot of wrong things, and my feet took me into some bad places. After my paralysis, tempting choices were scaled down considerably. My particular affliction is divinely hand-tailored expressly for me. Nobody has to suffer transverse spinal lesion at the fourth, fifth cervical, exactly as I did to be conformed to his image. Here's a woman that suffers paralysis, and she looks at the paralysis as a gift from God. She said, he used these things to transform me into his image so that I could be more Christ-like. Brothers and sisters, could it be maybe that some of the struggles that we face, that we complain about and we cry about and and we get depressed about and discouraged about, could it be that those are the very things that God is using 
in our lives to shape us into his image. We can praise him because of the glory that he's accomplishing. We can also praise him for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then he said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone. When I left, when he left this earth, he says, I'm going to give you another, a comforter. And the Holy Spirit is the one that comes to us in the midst of our struggles and whispers to us in our ear and encourages us to keep on going. But even the Holy Spirit, he does his work. In fact, it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This Holy Spirit, the promise of this comforter, allows us to praise God even in struggles. And by the way, Matthew opens up in chapter 4 speaking about Jesus, and he said this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we, we think of the story and, and how Jesus won out over the temptation. He quoted over and over, it is written, it is written. And, and we gather that, that we need the word of God in our lives. But an interesting thought there is this, is that sometimes the spirit of God leads us into trying times. It may be that even in the midst of our darkness, we're right where God has led us for this moment. And we praise God in the midst of our struggles, for his promise to work all things for good. A passage of scripture that we need to be very clear on, not all things are good in and of themselves, but our God is able to take all things and put them together and orchestrate good from them. Thomas Watson, who's a Puritan preacher, said this, to know that nothing hurts the godly is a matter of comfort. But to be assured that all things which fall out shall cooperate for their good, that their crosses shall be turned into blessings, that showers of affliction water the withering root of their grace and make it flourish more. This may fill their hearts with joy till they run over. In other words, these trials, I mean, we can just say all things are going to be okay, and that's comforting. But the idea that what God is doing in our lives is accomplishing something is where our real joy comes. Romans 8 and 28 says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. In that passage, let me just share, and we'll close with this, that he speaks about who this is addressed to, and it's addressed to God's people. He says, and we know that for those who love God, All things work together for good. For God's people. And you and I have that assurance that when we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, we have become His people. And when we're His people, we know that all things will indeed work together for good. That's part of our faith. And then we see not only God's people, but God's power in this passage. He says all things. All things. Sometimes I think that we forget that God 
is capable of handling all things. He's not just the God who answers in times of sickness. He's the God who answers in times of need. He can handle sickness and needs. He's not just the God who provides us safety when we travel, but he's also the God that can reach our loved ones who are without Christ. He can do all things. And there is not a thing in this world, whether it is good or bad in our estimation, that God can't handle. God's power is such that he can handle all things. And his promise is that these things will work together for good. That he's going to take these times and he's going to do something with it. I think probably the most frustrating part about difficult times in our life is that question, the why. Right? I mean, why am I going through this? Or why did this have to happen? Or why did God take this person? It's these why questions. But God assures us, he says, I'll take these things that are happening and I'm going to combine them together with a bunch of other things that are going on in your life. And when it's all done, you'll see. It may not be in this lifetime, but we again must trust God that he has our best interest at heart. All things work together for good. And then finally, we see God's plan in that passage, don't we? He says, to those who are called, and he uses this phrase, according to his purpose. God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. Ultimately, it is that we're conformed to the image of his son. Ultimately, it's that we spend eternity with him and enjoy this relationship that he has desired since the beginning. God has this plan, and he is going to accomplish his plan. Brothers and sisters, God is good. Make no mistake, he is good. He's good when there's plenty to eat. But he's also good when things are lean. He's good when the money's there. But he's also good when you're not sure where the money's even going to come from. He's good when you're healthy and strong and young and virile. But he's also good when you feel the effects of age and begin to realize you're getting older. Amen? He was good. Sister Krigbaum told me the other day, she said, remember when we went to the mountains and I saw a white rock down the hill and and I said, I want that rock. And you ran down and got it for me. She said, I still have that rock. And I said, good thing you got it because I wouldn't go get it for you today. (laughs) God was good when I was young and could run down a mountain and back up. But he's still good when we get up from the church pew and let out a groan of, oh. He's good all the time. And we're to praise him in the good times and the tough times. God is good. Do you know this good God? Do you know him? Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. And and maybe one of the reasons that you've been standoffish from God is you've looked and you say, if God is so good, why do bad things happen in this world? And maybe this morning, just maybe, you'd consider the idea that maybe some of the things that we think are bad are really God working to draw us closer to Him. Remember 9-11? 
What a tragedy. What a terrible event. If, if, if you were anywhere near a TV during the days after that, it was just incredible. But remember what a draw people had to the church and to their Bibles and to prayer. Something bad. And I realized that the big rush to the church didn't last long and many folks that came to Christ as a result of that didn't hang in there, but some did. And the reality is many people who find Christ find Him in the midst of a storm. When things are going well, they don't just get up and say, hey, I think I'll go to church today. But boy, when trials come, that's when we begin to think, maybe I need to go to church. Maybe I need to talk to God. Maybe I need to change my life. Let's stand.